And please welcome our host, Christopher Rosh. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? Welcome back to another episode of the Raw and Unscripted Show, where we help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. And I'm happy to say it's the day after Christmas. So for those of you guys watching the video cast, you get to check out that I'm wearing my beautiful sweater. And of course, it has everything to do with heavy metal. It's Santa Claus playing a guitar. And of course, I've got my beautiful, I'm donning my beautiful uh, Santa hat that says daddy on it because I am the daddy here in the house. Don't get any dirty ideas in your thoughts, ladies and gentlemen. This is a Christmas show this is a christmas show so we're excited that you join us either here watching us live or you're watching the replay or you're of course listening to us on audio podcast thank you thank you thank you for showing up again here at the raw and scripted show we are on show episode number 243 we've been doing this actually january uh just here in a couple of days january will be our fourth year of doing the show and i'm so proud to say this because we've had some incredible incredible guests so i highly encourage you wherever you get your podcast go grab the podcast, go back and listen to some of those earlier shows, go listen to some of these amazing guests and, uh, and your promises will change your life. And there is no shortage of changing your life here on this particular episode tonight. So I highly encourage you. I'm a fan of the good old fashioned pa paper and pencil, paper and pencil. So get you a paper and pencil outside because we're going to be talking about things and ways that you can change your perspective about your past, present, and your future, how you can eliminate some negative self-talk and how you can rock your life in order to have an amazing kick-ass unstoppable 2024. And I'm so excited because I get to be joined tonight by my amazing friend. You guys have been seeing her here every single week. Every single week. What's going on, Patty? Guy gets you. What's going on? Good to see you, darling. Happy Merry Christmas. How was Merry your Christmas with your family? It was great. So yeah, um, celebrated quietly actually down here in uh, in Florida for a little bit, going home on Friday. But uh, it it was it was really special. So gratitude. Nice. So to no, you no snow in Florida. Uh, nope. <laughs> 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 <Thank> gosh. <laughs> And you're going to be heading back to snow, of course, in, in Toronto, right? You shush right now. <laughs> you shush. I'm just, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to make you uh, achieve or or or, or uh, uh, appreciate what it is that you have before you have to go back to it. But I know you do anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm super excited to have this conversation. If you guys have been missing this, we've been doing some a couple of amazing shows here with uh, Patty, uh, being my co-host. And uh, Patty, why don't you tell them about a couple of the, the, our previous guests, and then why don't you jump in and introduce our our current guest tonight? Yeah, so thank you. So the gratitude, of course, is that I've been able to co-host with Christopher for the last, uh, this is now the third show for December. And uh, we had Hannah and Alex and the incredible story of their life. Um, dancers, musicians, and of course, Alex's personal story. So that was special. And then uh, Alex being a dancer as well as Hannah, but uh, they also were taught by Brian Thomas, who was Michael Jackson's choreographer for his 30th anniversary video. And Brian shared some amazing stories of people he worked with. And uh, so it was really special. So just the privilege of having some of these really cool people on the program and sharing is really great, including this incredible woman who we've invited to be on this evening. Now, what's really fun is that uh, Vera is actually in Moncton, New Brunswick, Canada. It is now 11 o'clock p.m. where she is. It's uh, 10 o'clock where I am, and of course it's only seven where you are, Chris. So I'm hoping that we'll keep her lively and awake for a good 45 minutes. Oh, come on, don't challenge me with that. I'm loud enough with just my shirt. <laughs> Anyways, so a little bit about Vera. So Vera has written a book called The Words We Wear, 
How to Show Up with Confidence and Create Your Best Life. And this book has just literally come out. So what I want to share with you is that Vera herself, though, I mean, this is a big deal. She is a speaker, author, award-winning businesswoman and mindset mentor who helps women develop confidence in themselves and their leadership skills. She actually, she has two adult children. She has a wonderful husband, a lot of personal, interesting things about her life that made her sort of become who she is. And I think we want to dig in really quickly so we can start asking her some questions and doing some sharing and uh, and just go to town on this one. Welcome to the Raw and Unscripted Show, Vera. Thank you so much for being here. We appreciate you being up this late. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, looking forward to having an amazing conversation with you tonight. Perfect. I'm here. <laughs> she's like i'm a trooper i'm here i'm here what time do you normally go to bed nine o'clock what <laughs> no actually probably closer to 10 but yeah this is definitely past my bedtime as my husband says it's pumpkin time for me but i had a nap I had we'll, have a, we'll have an engaging conversation with you and we're we're in over 20 different countries all over the world so some people are seeing us in the morning so we'll just be as fresh in as area as we possibly can but uh thank you so much for being here for tonight Given what you've written, given what you've accomplished in your life, this is going to be a, a, a lofty question. We're going to have some really good questions for you tonight. What do you want most for people to walk away from this conversation tonight? What do you want people to really feel and think and, and really respect about themselves and their journey, what they can accomplish in 2024? I think the most important thing and the underlying thing of this is that we are entitled to what we want and we deserve what we want. Boom. Can you go a little, a little bit deeper on that and, and explain to us where that comes from? Yeah, I think that, so I call myself an underachiever. Okay. Despite everything I've done and all the successes I've had, I think that I'm an underachiever. And I think most women are because we, we tend not to step into our gifts. We tend not to fully express ourselves. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, we don't allow ourselves to achieve everything we can. And that's what makes us underachievers. And the only way we're going to change that is if we acknowledge it, accept it, and challenge the limiting beliefs that are holding us back, right? Mm -hmm. And those limiting beliefs come from so far deep into the language that we've grown up with, through the words that we've been told we are, who we've been told we are, the expectations that are attached to all of that. And what happens is we, we I'm going to take this very broad, and then we can dig it deeper. We accept all of those parameters and expectations that other people put on us without saying that, okay, maybe I don't believe with that. Maybe that's not really who I am. So we accept all that. And that holds us back from, from, from believing what we can do and what we deserve. And if we don't believe we can do something and we don't believe we deserve something, we don't pursue it. If we don't pursue it, we don't get it. Mm -hmm. So that's where it all comes together. So if we truly learn to believe that we're worthy, because it does all comes down to that sense of worthiness. If we believe that we're worthy and deserving, then we then we find that courage and that little bit of a, I don't know, that sense of adventure that will allow us to step into who we truly are at our core. So Vera, this this, you know, it's so valid, but at the same time. For, for me, I think your story, I think that's where we have to go back to. Let's go right into, you know, all of a sudden, yes, Vera, here you are now in the world, all of this. But there was a, a time when obviously this did not happen for you. And, I'm, and I want, can you share with us the very first thing, obviously, is, is when you were born and, and yeah. 
that. I mean, this is really crucial to your story. So please share that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny that you say the very first thing is when you're born because <laughs> um, the, the truth is, <clears throat> excuse me, the truth is that I was born defective. I, I was born with uh, what's called PFFD, um, proximal, femur, proximal frontal femur disorder. And it meant that one of my legs didn't grow properly. So by the time I was eight years old, I had a four inch difference in leg length difference. And there's a two and a half inch, two and a half size difference in my feet. Um, so obviously I was bullied a lot. I was ostracized. I was completely outside of the norm of what life was about. And for me, my parents, I mean, I was one of eight girls, all girls, and my parents tried to help us live a normal life, but I had four surgeries between the ages of eight and 17. And in a lot of those surgeries, I was either confined to a wheelchair for a long time or um, on crutches. And one of the things that happens then is that you, every time, every time I had a surgery, it was a corrective surgery. Every time I had one of those surgeries, I had to learn to walk all over again. Wow. And it's really funny because like I had a knee replacement seven years ago and it was again because that one actually straightened out my lower leg for the first time in my life. And I had to learn to walk again. And it, it's that whole persistence of like, you guys don't even think about how you walk, right? Most people mm -hmm. don't. And when I had the knee replacement, it was the first time in my life, Christopher, that I actually heel toe walked. Wow. How did you do it before? Was it all just toe toe? On my toe, on my toe of my short foot and bent the knee of my long foot and just kind of dragged it along. So I fell a lot. I was pretty clumsy most of the time. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but it's that whole aspect of, of knowing that, Patricia, to what you're saying, it's like, I had to believe that I could do those th things. But more importantly, and this is what Patricia's coming, was referring to, I think, is that that whole concept of believing I was defective affected everything in my life. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I, I didn't pursue the career I wanted. I didn't. I didn't believe that I was deserving of a good relationship. I got into all kinds of bad relationships. I let bosses take advantage of me, um, like just whatever, because to me, it was like, that's what I deserve. That's all I deserve. I was defective. I didn't, I didn't belong. I didn't deserve anything any greater. And it took a long time for me to get past that limiting belief and realize that, yeah, you know what? I do deserve something more. And this, the story or the the first pivotal, there's a couple of pivotal points. One of the pivotal points, and it was when I was, I'm going to have to move, jump really quickly through a couple of things here, but. No, you're good. You're good. I'm, I'm, I'm hanging on. I was married at 19, divorced at 23. My father. Oh, <laughs> My my father dis my father disowned me because Irish Catholic you're not supposed to get divorced right, so we didn't talk for a lot of years. We finally patched it all up. I'm really? back visiting them in my late twenties, early thirties, and I'm looking at this picture that my dad's looking at at the table. I said, "Who's this woman?" And he says, "That's my mom." I said, "I know her." He goes, "No, she died when I was like six years old," and I'm like. I see her in a dream every single night. No way. So 
this dream that I have, I'm this little eight-year-old girl and I'm running through this field and it isn't a field, it isn't a meadow full of flowers or anything. It's a hay field with all the cut hay and the dusty wind and everything because we were in the prairies. I was born and raised in Calgary. And I'm running towards this woman and she's standing there with her hands on her hips in this like dress with puffy sleeves, long dress, kind of soiled apron. And she's just kind of glaring at me but she's the only person around. So I like walk up to her and she goes, what are you doing here? You don't belong here. And I'm going like, I don't know. I don't even know where here is, right? And she picks me up and she gives me this hug and then she turns me around and she says, go back. I'd had that dream every night of my life. And I always felt that that meant that I didn't, belong right I've been rejected and then to find out I've been rejected by my own grandmother the thing is that when I realized who she was I went back and I thought okay let's let's rethink this maybe she didn't reject me maybe she sent me back because I had a purpose yeah and so that completely changed. It's like, okay, if I have a purpose, then this this handicap, this this thing that I have is all to give me the strength and, and the persistence and whatnot to do what it is that I need to do. And 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 to me, that was the very first time that I realized that I the perspective that you have on a viewpoint changes everything about who you think you are. Like here I am thinking like I'm defected and I'm rejected and nobody loves me, when in fact the reason that I saw my grandmother like that was that I died during that surgery. Oh, wow. Whoa. Oh, Vera. I died on the table. I didn't know that. My parents said, my mom went, I guess the doctors, they said you wouldn't remember, but, you know, they cut off the oxygen to, for, to your brain for a little while because what I had was, was actually heart bypass surgery um, as an eight-year-old. And so I had died, but I was sent back. So if I died and was sent back, there's a reason for me to be back here. Mm -hmm. And Absolutely. so I had to find it. That's incredible. So uh, there's one more thing I want you to, to share. Um, were you not in a car accident as well? <laughs> Jesus. At, yeah, like, but, but a pretty incredible thing. So is that when you were like 19 or something? I was, I've been in four car accidents, five actually. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm not riding in the car with you. No, 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 Vera. None of them my fault. None of them my fault. And it's really interesting that you should bring that up because to me, car accidents, every time I've gone off in the wrong direction, the universe kind of goes, <laughs> like, <laughs> let's get you back on track. Um, yeah, that, that car accident um, was what actually led to my, my marriage, my first marriage ending. I, um, my girlfriend and I were just going for a hamburger in Calgary and this car lost control in front of us, turned broadside in front of us. We're going up Center Street Bridge. There's no place to go. There's the car in front of me, the railing at the side hit me, like shortened the car three feet. I ended up with my, my good leg being wrecked, tore the muscles and ligaments in the, in the back of my good leg because I got caught between the steering wheel and the, or the steering column and the brake. And that was the one when... I first realized I'd been married and I had a roommate basically. 
And, but because we were busy and we were doing all of these things and we were just living the life we could, it seemed like it was okay. Yeah. But, but when I, when, when I was sitting at home or laying at home, staring up at the ceiling all those months, it was like, like, I deserve more than this. I deserve more than just having a roommate. And I remember my dad was like, but you made your bed, you sleep in it. And I'm going like, no. Mm. And the, the hardest part for me was, I was brought up as a good Catholic girl. And the priest came to visit and it's like, like, why are you guys splitting up? What is going on? Like, and I'm like, nobody's having an affair, Father. Like, it's nothing like that. I'm just not happy. And what he said just blew me away. He said, but that's a blessing. If your lot in life is to be unhappy, you're going to be rewarded in the afterlife. Say what? <laughs> and I'm like, no. Like, the God I believe in doesn't want us to be miserable. So... For me, it was like, okay, I deserve happiness and I'm going to pursue it. And did I mess up afterwards? Yeah, because leaving my marriage was actually the first decision I made for myself. Hell yeah. Yeah, good girl. The first time in my life that I said, I deserve more and I'm going to pursue more. And the advantage of my father disowning me, I mean, it sounds like a horrible thing, but the advantage of my father disowning me was I didn't have to live up to his expectations anymore. Yeah. Right? I was on my own. I messed up. I did a bunch of stupid things. It's amazing. I lived through some of them. But I was doing it for myself, learning about myself. Probably would have been easier if I had learned some of those things when I was a little bit younger. But <laughs> whenever they come, we come. It was, right? it, was, it, was, it, was, it was perfect timing, Vera. I mean, it really was perfect timing. And when you think about all those experiences and you think about what something you said before, I want to dig in a little bit deeper on it because you're going through that experience now as we're talking and going out and saying, hey, listen, I'm not happy in this marriage and I deserve more and I, and I really expect more for myself. And I'm willing to go through that uncomfortable period to be able to get to the other side of that. Talk to us about that worthiness. How can people find more worthiness for themselves because to your point a lot of what shapes our beliefs happens when we're kids when we're zero to five zero to seven a lot of that time in there really shapes our conditioning about our worthiness and how great we are and how good we are and how valuable we are right. Talk just about that experience that journey for you to get to that place again where you value and you loved yourself because i know so many people out there i've met them personally struggle to love themselves and that's what they struggle in with that self-care they're doing for everybody else hoping wishing and praying that someday they can restore their own cup but we know that we have to take care of it ourselves and it's it's not being selfish. Take us on that journey a little bit, if you will. So it's really interesting that you would say that it's not being selfish because I think, and I, I, I deal, I don't deal particularly with women. I prefer to work with women because I think we are overlooked so much. And that's just a personal bias that I have. I believe that, that women have been brought up to be caregivers, to be, um, I hate the word servitude, but we do live in servitude to others, right? Yeah. And so I believe that we have been taught to put other people first. And in being taught to put other people first, that means we're secondary. Yeah. So women have this tendency to be behind the scenes. We make our husbands successful, our bosses successful, our friends successful, our kids successful. We don't look at creating success for ourselves because our first role, our first ob objective in life is to look after everyone else. Right. 
And I think if once we realize that the only way we can look after everyone else is by looking after ourselves, that's when we start to realize that that whole concept of burying ourselves isn't going to help anybody because that's what yeah, we do. We, we on bury yourself our first. Gifts. Yeah, we bury our gifts, right? We don't. We don't. We don't value who we are, and that's that's the other thing. Like. Women have this tendency, and I mean other people too, but I'm going to talk about women because that's my my path, right? That's your jam jam. Damn, damn, yeah. It's like we have this like, oh, it was nothing. Oh, I'm I'm just a solo entrepreneur. Oh, anybody could do that, right? Because we're not taught to brag about who we are or or, or our accomplishments. But when we do that, when we use that, what I call limiting language, when we don't value ourselves we tell other people that they don't have to value us either. Bingo. They watch us. They see how we talk and mother to ourselves. Yeah. yeah. So we have to, we have to change <laughs> mother trees. <laughs> Sorry, we're reading the post that are on here. <laughs> she's she's You're a funny, Greg. mother Teresa. Yeah. <laughs> but for me, it, it does come down to the, to the way we talk to and about ourselves. Because if we say, you know, I'm just, or I'm going to wait, or no, I, I'm not ready. That's the big thing. I'm not ready yet. Okay. When are we ever going to be ready? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we're never. And if we say, if we take a look at the language that people say to us, it's like, you know, like the ones that I grew up with, don't get so big for your britches, you know, <laughs> and um, who do you think you are? Or why you do you think you are? You got to be realistic. Yeah. Yeah. Go to be realistic. Yeah. Like, you can't make a living as a writer, so why would you write? Okay, so I'll do something else, right? I became an accountant. I hated being an accountant. I'm a writer. <laughs> so but we have to tell ourselves that first, right? Yeah. Vera, I, yes. I really think this is the perfect segue right now to move into, you wrote this book, and this has been on your heart for a long time. Uh, multiple other things that you have done. I mean, it's a long list. You and your wonderful husband, Marcel, also have another company. You're involved with multiple other businesses. But you chose to interview, I think, 33 women over the course of many, many months and dig into their story. What you have created is an amazing book that you actually weave your points using other people's stories and, and I'm very honored and blessed that I was one of your 33 people that you oh, interviewed. Cool. And, and I'm yeah. in your book with my my quotes and my a little bit of my wisdoms. But to, how did you choose these 33 women? And there are two. There's All of them are amazing. I, I finished the book. So I, I, I probably want to say multiple people have got some incredible things and could probably write their own book on their own. There's, there's the challenge, though, of picking or choosing one or two that I, I want you to sort of like just highlight because I think it brings it to a point. There's a woman, Sharon Presler. Yeah. Um, can you share a little bit about her and, and what happened? So Sharon is the first woman in the United States to fly an F-16 fighter plane. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That blows yeah. my mind. Wow. Yeah. And it was really interesting because she was determined she wanted to do that. There are restrictions apparently on, or there were at least, the, the how many um, pilot 
spaces are open to women because they weren't allowed on the front. So she actually went out and spent her savings um, going and getting private pilot training so that she would qualify to go ahead and get the fighter pilot training. So she was the first woman to do that. She's an amazing woman. She um, she was in the in the Air Force for for until she was 41, I think it was, I'll have to get the numbers straight. And then she went and became a commercial pilot because she decided like, you know what? I love her quote. She says, I don't need a bucket list because my life is perfect the way it is. Yeah, oh, that's beautiful. And so she left the, the Air Force to become a commercial pilot because her son had leukemia and she wanted to be close right. to home, oh, right? Man. But she's just like, she's an amazing woman. She's, she's a speaker now and I just love her to death. She's just great. Patricia, you're one of my other favorites. You're just like, you're just so like, oh, well, anybody who's watched Patty, like, like you are just like so skilled and so talented and so giving and so awesome. Like, I love you, girl. She is. I've known her for a decade. Yeah. Yeah. She but, teaches us but, how to believe. Yes. I, I love the fact that some of the people who are in the book also include your sister, your Gayla. Yeah. I think that's something like out of your eight siblings, she really, your younger sister, right? I think. Yes. My youngest. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So seven, we were eight girls. She was the youngest and I was the oldest or second oldest. And she's my best friend. She's my soul sister. Um, she just has carried me through so many things. And, and I think the, the opposite is true that, you know, we just, We'll cry together. We'll laugh together. Um, we'll pick up the phone and say, what's wrong? Like you just have that, that sixth sense of knowing what's wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but she's just an amazing, amazing woman. And I love her. I love her to death. I'm so grateful. She's in my life. So uh, of these 33 women, um, it's again, it goes right back to how they show up yes. and it's intentional and it's deliberate and you know uh, and again knowing each one of the stories where they came from a point of drama and yeah. trauma and all of us have it you can't get through this world you, you know you just can't yeah. but what are what did you feel and you have to have i mean never mind that you wrote the book but you must have personally felt something after going through all of these interviews and then what's how it's changed you tell me how Oh, I mean, I think the biggest thing for me was the realization that we're all struggling is the wrong word, but we're all searching for that, that sense of this is what I'm here for, that purpose, right? right? It's like, what's my purpose? What's my passion? And when we find that purpose and passion, then we find our power. And I think that's the biggest thing that I saw, Patricia, when I interviewed these women. And, and it was like, I can't even begin, that book doesn't begin to cover what I learned from these women. But my big takeaway, my big, big takeaway is that when women actually step into their gifts, when women actually embrace their purpose and their passion and their power, they find a way to make a difference. And, and the difference that women make, and it's different than men and women, success isn't defined in terms of, of power, prestige, and status. Mm. Almost every single woman that I asked to define success called it an emotion, a feeling. Mm -hmm. And all of these women found a way to create success and impact on their own terms. 
And they did it because they believed in what they were doing. And they, they, they found that, that core of sense of self. And I think that's really what it's about. It's finding out who we are at our core and saying, okay, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm deserving and I'm going to go for it. And they, I mean, quotes, when I started this, I'm getting excited now. <laughs> I told you we were going to wake you up. <laughs> when, I, when I started the book, I had spent weeks looking for the perfect quote to start every chapter, right? And when I finished the interviews, I got rid of almost all these famous people quotes. I kept a couple, like you got to keep Brené Brown and, and Oprah in there. But Yeah, Brené is awesome. But I replaced the quotes at the beginning of the chapters with quotes from these women that I interviewed. Yeah, there you go. Because their words were magical. I mean, these women, and they, they, they range from, I'm, I'm going to say the youngest is probably in her 20s to 70. And they are, they are representative of so much of what we can achieve when we believe, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I want to read one to, to everybody. And this is on your chapter 11, Identity Becomes a Journey. And it's a quote by Sally Hogshead. You do not have to change who you are. You only have to become more of who you are at your best. Mm, there you go. I like Ooh. that one. Yeah. Talk to us about that. That's actually a great segue for one of the questions I love to ask my guests. And given the fact of what you've been through personally and what you've helped other people go through and experience in their life, you know, oftentimes I found myself saying I did the best I could. And there was one day, probably about now, about six or seven years ago, where I came home and I was putting my stuff up on my dresser. And I said to myself, I, I said out loud, I said, I did the best I could, you know, with something that was happening at work that day. And for the first time ever in my life, my inside voice stopped me and said, wait, Chris, was that really your best? Like, was that really your best? You know, you know, cause I'm always sitting there questioning myself and finding out where are my excuses, my excuses come up from, you know, especially being the no excuses coach. And I realized I'm like, no, that wasn't my best. That was not my best. But as soon as I said, I did the best I could, I felt like a sense of relief. Like, okay, my get out of jail free card. And I went back again, thinking about, okay, where does this originate? This originates when we're kids. Vera, yeah. did you do the best you could? Yes. Okay. Do better next time. Nobody yeah. really sits with us and talks about what our best is and what our capabilities for letting go of past mistakes and fears and stuff like that. Talk to us about that journey of being our best and what 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 perhaps we need to um, sacrifice and, and, and let go of in order to become our true, true best. Because that's one thing I worked as a coach uh, doing it now for over 20 years is really helping people be inspired to realize that they have so much more potential than they could ever imagine and there's some critical things that they need to do what are those critical things in your eyes so it's interesting when i have this little framework that i use it's a the delta of change right so it's a triangle and it's be believe become be, like we believe. are who we are we have to believe we're capable of more we have to believe we're deserving of more in order to become who we want to be but it doesn't stop there it continues. As soon as we become that person, then we be who we are and we have to believe we can continue to grow. I like to say that identity isn't a fixed point. I, I actually say, I don't believe we need to find ourselves. Yes. We be ourselves. Right. But what's really interesting about what, what you were saying, I was explaining it this one, one time to this Oriental woman and she, she asked me to spell believe. And I said, pardon me. And she says, are you saying B-E-L-E-A-V-E? -E? 
And I said, no, but you're right. Mm -hmm. Because in order to become, we have to leave. So if I, like, I'll say to people that I'm an ex-accountant, I'm an ex-Calgarian, I'm an ex-wife, I'm an ex-analyst, like all these things that I used to be. And somebody said, you shouldn't say that. It makes it sound like you're a failure. I said, no. I it, so. means, it means that I have said, I'm beyond that now. I don't need to be that anymore. I can continue to grow and evolve and that little triangle of my life continues to grow. And I think that if we were to say, what allows us to grow, it's saying, let me let go of what no longer serves me. Let me let go of the, the nicknames that people have given me, the expectations that people have put on me. And that's one of the big things in my book, Patricia, right, is I talk about the expectation ceiling. Yeah. So that what people, we, what we grow up with, wanting to make our parents happy, wanting to make our teachers happy, our, our you know, preachers and friends and everybody else. And mm. so we, we, we sit there and we, we focus on trying to fit in and trying to belong. And Brenny Brown's quote is that fitting in and belonging are completely different, right? And fitting in actually prevents us from belonging. And so if we turn around and say, yeah, I know the cat's so cute. If we, if we turn around and we say, let's let go of what doesn't serve us, and step into what does. And that's where words with a Z comes in. That's the intentionality of it, right? Because our brain is an idiot, right? <laughs> I would agree. The brain is an idiot. The brain doesn't know the difference between truth and fiction. So whatever it hears repeated over and over and over again is what it believes. And if we say, our brain says, you know, this is all you deserve. Um, this is all you can do. This is all you should do because heaven forbid that you want more than your family and parents had before. That's that ceiling. And we live up to that ceiling, mm -hmm. which means we might be living down to that ceiling. And that's the expectation ceiling. So as soon as we say, no, I deserve more. No, I can do more. I will learn more. We're raising that ceiling. And that allows us to do so much more and be so much more and become so much more. So the cognition shifts, which is another part of, I think, um, again, and this really blew my mind. And I, I, I think we kind of know things like this, but I hadn't known about the specific study. So in 2012 at um, Kellogg School of Management, they did a, an actual, you know, test and uh, they had a group of people wearing white lab coats and the other group was wearing white lab coats, but the first group were basically told they were wearing them because they were doctors. The second group was wearing them because they were artists. And yep. the incredible shift in what you wear uh, affected the cognition of, of these particular individuals because the ones who truly felt that they would do better, could do more, were actually the ones who were wearing it in their mind as a doctor. They were gonna work harder. They knew that they were gonna be more successful. So I know Vera, you actually sort of alluded to words we wear. Yeah. Yeah, so share a little bit more. So yeah, that, that study, the they called it enclosed cognition. And yeah. basically said, when you wear something that you have an emotional attachment to, you step into the role of what that clothing or whatever personifies. True. And so, one of my gifts is that I'm, I was a medical writer for decades and I can take complex subjects and simplify them. So I could take 
medical information and turn it into something that my grandparents could could understand, right? And so I took a look at this whole concept of limiting beliefs and said, how do I turn that into something that's easily understandable to someone who doesn't want to spend a decade going through therapy to figure out what's holding them back, right? And with women, it's so easy. We understand clothes. When do you wear that, you know, that that little black dress, that sexy little thing, you know, the yoga pants, the soccer mom outfit. We know how we feel in those various types of clothing. And so for me, it's like the words we wear, we, we wear more words than we do clothes. Mm. Can you go right? deeper on that? Go deeper on that. Cause that's, a, that's yeah. super important. We wear so many, like when, when I say, okay, I'm a mother, I become like every other mother in the room. Right. If I say I'm a spoiled mother, I'm complete. No. So I'm an open-minded mother. I'm a spoiled wife. is usually what I say, but, but those things change the way we, we, we we project who we are and the way people see us. So if my girlfriend, for instance, when she says, oh my God, I'm too old to do this. If you think you're too old, you are too old. Henry Ford. Yeah. yeah. And so when we talk about the words we wear, the way we introduce ourselves, I often like to ask people how they introduce themselves because the way you introduce yourself is the way other people are going to believe they should see you. And we don't introduce ourselves by what makes us special. We don't say, I'm a rare orchid gardener. We don't say, I'm a spoiled wife, right? We don't say, Patricia doesn't even say what an amazing artist she is. She says, oh, you know, I'm an artist. You know, said, like, like, come on, Patricia, you are, you've got so much depth to you. And yes, I want, to find, yes, and I want to find more words for you, girl. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think that, when we, what we forget about is that the words that we use when we think about ourselves affect the way we believe, what we believe and who we believe we are. So to your point, if you say, I did the best I can, you are lowering that level of what you can do. Yes, I agree. Right? And if I say it has to be perfect before I go and do something, I'm never going to do it because I'm never going to find perfection. Mm-hmm. So for me, give you an example. I'm an introvert, um, partially just, you know, my being who I was growing up. But when I decided that I had to change, I adopted the term, the the adjective adventurous because I'm an outdoors person, right? So if I'm an adventurous introvert, that gives me permission to acknowledge that when I'm with people and around people, I will be energized and then I will crash. Yeah, I'm the same way. But it also means that it allows me to say, okay, I can experiment with this and I can do this and I can seek adventure because that's what allows me to grow and become more of who I have the capability of being. So when we change that, like I'm, it didn't change, I'm still an introvert, but it changed my perspective on what I can do as an introvert. Mm. Love that. Expanding the perspective, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. So, so our dear friend Glenn Morshower also talks about words in, and he says tonality also makes mm-hmm. a difference. Yep. Like a yep. huge part of how we express ourselves, our tonality, you know, makes a huge difference with those words. So, you know, if you want to say, I am an adventurist versus, yeah, I'm an adventurer. Yeah. 
you know, yep. and then you're, you're listening to that and you're grasping the energy around the person. So when you're hiring somebody or they're, they're in front of you and you're trying to decide in those four seconds whether you like them or not, their energy is going to come out in multiple ways. Yeah, tonality, the use of words, the words chosen. So it does make a huge difference. And especially to what your point is. Yeah. Yeah. So and, and that's all part and parcel of the belief behind it. Because if you say, um, I mean, I could turn around and say, okay, I want to be an extrovert. I'm an extrovert, but I'm never going to believe it. It's the same as an affirmation to say an affirmation that you don't believe is a waste of time. Mm -hmm. yeah. If you use an affirmation, you don't believe it does more to devalue your self-confidence than it does to increase it. Yeah, I would agree a whole hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I, 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 sorry. I was just gonna say I want to grab a couple of these comments. We got some amazing people in here joining us. We got L. Patrick Dickerson in the house. He says good evening, uh, authentic and courageous people. Thank you for being here. We've got our brother from another mother in the house, Scott Goya. What's up, Scott? I love you. <laughs> love you, Scott. Appreciate you, brother. Got Gregory De Francisco in the house. He says, just drum, just drum, just drum. Uh, L. Patrick says here, Darvo is underutilized. I have no idea what Darvo is. Do you guys have any idea what Darvo is? No. I wanted to ask this question to make sure that perhaps uh, if you guys didn't know what it was, that they, he could educate us in the comments. So let us know what that is. And yes, I would agree, Mother Teresa. Um, an amazing, amazing soul, by the way, guys connect with Patricia, yeah. um, Patricia, Karen Gagich at, uh, dot com. Go right. Yeah. Is that the one? Yeah. yeah. Make sure we do that. Um, I love what, uh, L Patrick said here as well. He says, ultimately my misgivings are my own responsibility. Ooh, he said the R word, ladies and gentlemen, it's never too late to make an appropriate transition. A hundred percent. I mean, so many times we've had that fixed cost bias and that sunk cost bias. Oh, it's just the way I am. It's just the way I am. Again, when we change those words that we use, I sit there and say, that was who I was yesterday. Who do I get to be today? Who do we get to be today? I want to capture this question as well. Uh, I saw this earlier. It says, uh, Vera, how uh, you keep going without becoming discouraged? That's a great question from Facebook user. I'm not sure who that might be. I think that might be Jacqueline Rose. Uh, but uh, what is your answer to that particular question, Ms. Vera? You know what? I think that's where the whole aspect of learning to walk came from. I learned early on that if I wanted to do something, it was going to take some pain and it was going to take some effort. Yes, ma'am. But it was going to be worth it because to sit in that freaking wheelchair for forever was not an option. And so it was like, I learned every single time that I tried to do a little bit more and did a little bit more that I could do a bit more. And I think there was just a part of me that was, there still is a part of me that knows I can do more. And I have this, I have this connection to the universe. I, I, it, maybe it's a karmic thing, but I have this connection to the universe. And whenever I get really, really discouraged, I just need to go outside into the sun, go for a walk in nature, climb the mountains. I'm a mountain person, like take me to the mountains. And I just say, I'm here for a reason. I'm insignificant in this world, but I am part of it and I am necessary. And I just, I just keep going. So your action is how you achieve the feelings that you really want. Yes. Yes. It makes such a huge difference. Our, it's everything from our attitude to our, our way of communicating with other people, just waking up to ourselves. Because if this is how you want to feel and someone else is, is, is 
preventing that or putting you in a box somewhere that's not letting you breathe, then you've, you, you know, it's your action that is going to make the difference. You have to take that action. Yeah. I, I mean, one of the things that I write about in the book is that our thoughts affect our choices, right? Yeah. And, and what it comes down to is that our actions, our behaviors, and our choices are the ABCs of identity. So if we think something, but we don't act on it and we don't make a choice appropriately, we don't change who we are. We don't change our behavior. Then we don't change our identity. Mm-hmm. So everyone should be reading Dr. Joe Dispenza's books. Yes. hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's big. It's big. Um, I have to answer this question for Greg. Gregory says over the left shoulder, Chris, Les Paul. Uh, yes, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, what you might call it? Les Paul. It's um, not a Gibson Les Paul. It is a, uh, the other one, whatever the other one is. I know Les Paul <laughs> did work for two different companies and I'm having a total burning fart on that as well. Uh, L Patrick Dickerson says here, DARVO is an acronym that stands for deny attack and reverse victim and offender. Uh, it describes the manipulative tactic often used by abusers to avoid taking responsibilities for their actions and shift the blame onto their victims. He goes on to say the rabbit hole of DARVO explains most whom we know as perpetuators and or offenders. Yes, that is powerful. That is powerful. We got Robert in the house. What's up, Robert? Thank you for being here. We also hear actions speak louder than words. It's true. It really is true. Um, as we've already been going for 46 minutes, uh, it's amazing how fast we these conversations can yeah. fly by. I'm um, thinking about my last question. So Patricia, think about your last question. Um, you, you know, a lot of people right now are struggling and they're struggling because of what it is that they're focusing most on right? They're focusing on the news. They're focusing on the scarcity, focusing on the lack. They're focusing on the sound bites. They're focusing on, you know, who can we blame? What are some tips that you have found in your particular journey that have been best for when you find that your focus is out of skew? So it comes back to that whole aspect of, of where we place our attention is where we're at. Mm-hmm. And so if I find myself getting down or depressed or something, it's like, I need to change what I'm focusing on. And sometimes it'll be as simple as I'll put on some quiet jazz in the background just to calm me down and, and bring myself into space. I know that Patricia drums to do something like that. And, and for me, it's like, if, if we focus on those struggles, if we focus on the things that bring us down, we're going to stay down. Yes. It would take little steps. I mean, again, I'm going to come back to that walking analogy. When I had that knee replacement, I spent a month, literally a month, learning how to walk, heel-toe walk on the deck, one step at a time. I learned to walk one step at a time. I learned to grow one step at a time. One step, one word, one thought. They all make a difference. It is so true. It's so true. Thank you. Thank you for that. I mean, that, what I tell people is this. You got here by taking imperfect action. Nothing in your life, nothing in your journey when you look back on your life was perfect, right? Yes, you're absolutely right, Chris. And you've survived 100% of the things that you've experienced in your life. Yes, Chris. Okay, I want you to think about the plausibility that anything that comes in your life now or, or in the future, you will survive. Yes, yes, Chris. That's the key thing. So many times we think we won't survive. I don't know if I can handle that. I don't know if I can handle that. But we can always handle those things if we have that right perspective. We take that imperfect action every single day. That compound interest for our confidence says, hey, it's going to suck, but I'll get through it. 
And I yep. know that for myself, that anything that I experience in my life, of course, it's going to suck and be horrible. We don't want to wish that in anybody. But at the same time, I know I have the the tools. I know I have the resourceability to be able to go through those things. Um, this has been a tremendous conversation. I want to see if uh, Patty has any final questions before we ask people where they can get a hold of you. Uh, actually, I do have a, a, a fun question for you, Vera. If fun you question. could create a word, a new word that has not yet been sort of created or used, is there a word that you sort of have in your life, in your brain that secretly you say, like, there's one that's happening now, it's Dirk. Dirk. Word, it's Dirk. Yeah. <laughs> I saw that earlier and I wasn't sure what that was all about, but yeah. there we are. So what is Oh, I can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> that's a secret. I can't tell you. No, actually, there's a meaning to Dirk. It's it's a it's a it's, it's a nice. But but reality is there is there a word that appeals to you that that in your head you sometimes just think and say or I don't know. It's, it's a, actually it's probably a name as well, and it goes back a little bit to this enclosed cognition and stuff. What I write in the book about our future selves, and sometimes the people are modeling. Um, Yes, Greg, I see that, um, are modeling their future self themselves. And so I named my future self Ooh. and and I called her Vivi, which is a play on my name, but it's also French for vive, which is life. Yeah. Right? Oh, nice. And Vera means truth. So to me, to combine life and truth into a word like Vivi is, that's, that's kind of what I go back to. I go back wow. to, to Vivi. So I'm going to have to nickname you now Vivi. <laughs> Vivi. Vivi. So, so my, my name in the future, that name I've always wanted is Francesca. Ah, Francesca. Always, I've always wanted to be Francesca. <laughs> you look like a Francesca. You can be Francesca whenever you want to be. Yes, you yeah. can. I am. That could, that could be your alter ego on uh, your radio personality. It could that could be. be an art. That could be an artist little kind of side venture. You know, if you want to yeah. do some promiscuous stuff, you could say that Francesca <laughs> chick did it. <laughs> yeah, you can become. You can become a little bit of flippant person. <laughs> well, I mean, you look at. I mean, look at Beyonce. Or I think it's Beyonce. She has to go by Sasha Sasha Fierce when she wants. I mean, that's yeah. how scared she was to get up on stage. I mean, there's been countless stories yeah. of people who have experienced that. You know, the imposter syndrome as well. This kitten is determined to destroy everything. He's just so cute. That's why his name is Loki because he's the captain of mischievousness. But uh, Vera, uh, where can people get a hold of you to continue the conversation? Because, I, like I said, we've been going for nearly an hour and we barely scratched the surface on stuff. So, where can people get a hold of you? Um, easiest way is um, you can go. You can visit my website. There we go, verajave.com. Um, my email is connected. Can, can you spell that out for people if they were listening on the podcast? Is, yeah, um, it's v e r a. G-E-R-V-A-I-S.com. And my email is connect at virajave.com. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. Not as much on Instagram. Um, my I, On those ones, I I use my full name. It's Vera Milan Gervais, M-I-L-A-N Gervais. Um, and that's because there's another Vera Gervais out there, believe it or not. Wow. Uh, yeah, I know. And she's also a writer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, trip out. That's yeah, uh, that, so, that, 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 some similarities there. Yeah. And the book is available on Amazon and Barnes and Hines. Um, Chapters is having some trouble listing it for some reason. 
Um, but it's the words we wear, words Barnes and Noble, not Barnes and Hines, I don't think. Oh, yes, Barnes and Noble. <laughs> You're thinking ketchup. <laughs> okay, it is past my bedtime. Um, but words is spelt with a Z um, because, as we said, that's intentional. Um, I want it to be that way. It's disruptive um, so that it causes that silly brain of ours to think things again di differently. So. Mm. What a brilliant conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Vera. Thank you. Appreciate you. I'm going to place you backstage for a second and uh, okay. Patricia and I are going to close out the show, but don't go anywhere because we still want to have a little few, few words with you, but uh, thank okay. you. Thank you for this experience with you. Thank you. We really enjoyed it. You are most welcome. Patty. Oh my God. These shows have gone by so quick. The the conversations go by so quick. It's, 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 it's like something thinking of in the back of my nature. Like, okay, when I do shows with Patty, we got to like, maybe think of doing some long form content, like some hour and a half, two hour shows. Cause we were just barely scratching the surface of what Vera could really share with us and just a powerful conversation. What was the thing that like really stuck with you and what she said? Oh, I, I mean, I, I'm, blown away always by her ability and we didn't even get a chance to talk about you know parts of who and why she became who she became in addition to that i mean she travels the world her and her husband marcel um like there's a whole other you know identity there with her two kids i mean there's there's just something pretty amazing um words we wear i've read the book front to cover and again i'm super impressed. Um, I strongly recommend. What's really cool is that there's so many books out there that talk about, you know, confidence and positivity, etc. She weaves this in a way that not until I put the book down, did I go, oh, my God, what about that? What about that? So I, I think it's going to be one of these timeless books where you're just going to want to keep going back to it and, and yeah. reading bits and pieces of it. And and then reflecting on it. So it's well-written. It's it's really, really worth the um, pursuit. So if, if there's a book on your 2024 list that you want to read, it is going to be The Words We Wear. Highly, highly recommend. And you're going to see Vera around for a long, long time. Yeah. I mean, what a tremendous individual. I mean, and she's got such an eloquent way. Like she said, I love what she talked about. I can take very complex uh, subjects yes. and distill them down into what's easy and what's prudent. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a gift in and of itself because most people right now, especially nowadays, we're so fast. We're so on the fast track. Like, give me the, give me the, give me the, well, the cliff notes version, right? Give me the cliff notes version. And that's important for us to be able to do uh, to distill things down to people. Cause so yeah. many times we want to get wordy. We want to show our fanciness of how eloquent we are in our, in our diction. But I find the faster we're able to illustrate a point to somebody and they're able to say, hey, wow, I understand it. I may not agree with it. However, I understand it. Then you can have that opportunity to, for a discussion to be able to sit there and hash it out, get to a resolution and be able to move on with life as opposed to having the assumptions that are often so involved in that stuff when we're not paying attention. Oh, yeah, I heard everything. Yeah, I think I, I know what they're saying. They're saying this. They're saying this. And then we go off on our happy little way, making an assumption about something and then we're not able to be truly effective in it. But I think it's the way she brings the emotional connection of each of the uh, people that are in the book. So you really do feel, you know, the guts of it. And uh, I think that's what makes a difference, too. So but on a happier and lighter note, because I know we're coming down to the end here, I want to say to you, thank you, Christopher, for allowing me to be your co-host this year. Multiple times we've had this and this December, of course, having our three fantastic um you know, people's in here and just yes. 
We could have gone on for hours with every single one of them. And I know we've said we're going to do this again in 2024. I'm super grateful and I look forward to the opportunity of doing that and bringing our guests back as well. Mm-hmm. And a big shout out to all my friends, my family, um, and everybody who's been on here. Sotani Pyung from Cambodia, my friend Pat in Australia, Greg, of course, and, and Serena, multiple people who have said, I'm going to show up at this hour. So I love all of you. I wish all of you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Many, many good things for 2024 and lots more to look forward to for sure. And Chris, again, I love you. Thank you so much. And uh Let's let's see where 2024 takes this. <laughs> yes, 2024 is going to be a super kick-ass year. And thank you, Patty, for being here with me and bringing these amazing guests on here. It's just been such an honor to do this with you. I I like doing my show by myself sometimes, and I also have the obviously the the, the unfiltered experience I do with Mr. Scott Goyette, who was here earlier. But being able to dance a conversation with you and bring some of these these high level people that you bring to the uh, to the conversation are just immensely appreciated. And I just have such a joy and fun doing with you. Perhaps someday it'll be uh, synchronous synchronous that will bring us back together to uh to do something with us along these lines but thank you thank you thank you and to you guys out there listening and watching in in uh, radio and and, uh, podcast land thank you guys so much for for being here and and helping us make this show such a huge success 2024 will be uh no no different than anything else before we're continuing to hone the show uh bring you absolute value uh as quick as we possibly can do it and uh and leave you guys out there with the opportunity to make those differences those compound differences every single day Make those differences. Listen to the guests on the show. Listen to what we say. Make those implementations every single week. And after 365 days, you will find 2024 could be one of the best years of your life. It's just a matter of when you're willing to get uncomfortable, when you're willing to develop that sense of discipline, when you're willing to stop tolerating so much of the stuff that you tolerate in your life, when you then you can come up with those excuses that you don't have time. Stop tolerating the bullshit. Get clear about who it is that you're becoming, the legacy that you want to leave. Let go of some of the stuff that's not important to you and get focused on what it is that you were doing. We talked about focus tonight, you know, energy flows where focus goes. So be very, very intentional when you wake up in the morning of who you're becoming, what you're going to accomplish during the day, find gratitude in your day, find an opportunity to make somebody else's life better. And it's incredible what it is that you guys can do. We love you here at the Raw and Unscripted Show. We're going to continue on. So go out there, have an awesome rest of the uh, holiday season and enjoy your new year's. And of course, if you ever need anything, go to the no excuses coach, no excuses coach.com check it out get in get involved in our accountability coaching program that we have going on right now so you're held accountability held accountable every single week plus you get two trainings every month it's an amazing program so go check it out at noexcusescoach.com can't miss it and patty i just love and appreciate you i give you warm hugs from southern california when you go back to canada and find new words dirk and find new words dirk yes that is an inside joke which i intend of finding what the inside meaning is on that so until next time guys we'll be back here next tuesday night 7 p.m pacific standard time and we have kyle kroger on the show next week and he is a uh, bunch of energy so you guys are going to enjoy the hell out of that conversation and until then we love you guys we'll see you here next time on the unscripted show happy new year